Hi guys, uh, welcome back to my channel. Today we are talking about Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord my shepherd, the Lord my friend. I know it's a little bit of a mix up. I've been standing up the past couple times, but I decided to go back down to sitting down because um, this time, like, I don't know, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I just get very <laughs> emotional and you know, I can't really be doing all that standing up. So we're sitting down this time. Um, so let's just pray and then jump right in. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help me share this word today and I pray that um, people's hearts are open to receiving it. Please lift the uh, darkness of their understanding so that they can understand what I'm saying and in the end receive you um, as their shepherd and their closest friend. In Jesus' name, amen. So God started our friendship, and by our I mean like me and his, um, we, he started our friendship on the bus ride home from high school I always say. Like I used to, um, I used to like yeah put in my headphones and then I would just like, it was still at the time when I was like agnostic quote unquote so I used to just literally be talking to like anybody. So I would just be like talking and talking to like some God but I wasn't clear about who yet and so I would just be talking about like what's going on and it was just because it was like such a dark time I just needed somebody to talk to so I was like whoever's gonna listen you know is who's listening so God and I have had a relationship for about 10 years and um yeah he started our relationship by literally just talking on the bus ride home so for me like my like this Jehovah Ra'ah the Lord my shepherd the Lord my friend um Literally, that's like how God started our relationship by just being my friend, you know, because that's really what I needed. I had a lot of friends, but I just, I needed like someone that I could talk to all the time. And for me, that was God. Um, and I used to talk to God a lot in my head. I still do that. I still do that. Um, I talk to God in my head, but I also like pray out loud a lot, but I, I do talk to God a lot in my head still. Um, but God literally is like my best friend and there is no one and nobody more important to me than God because of like the relationship that we've built over this whole entire decade. Like there's nobody more important to me even in my like nighttime prayers I, I say you know sometimes you're my best friend and then my sister is actually like my physical best friend so she's like well I don't know your best friend but now like God actually really really is like my ultimate absolute best friend and there really is nobody more important to me than God um, and one of the things I love about God the most like before I knew about praying the scriptures or before I even knew you know really much about the Bible one thing I did know is that God would never leave you and so I really took that to heart like I, I really believe that with that verse even that just that little line before I really fully believed in Jesus I believe that line that God would never leave me and that just I held on to it a lot like even when I was in like really dark times I would hold on to that that like God would never leave me um and I remember I would have conversations with him where I would be like how do I know that I love you and it was when I was like really still stuck in like pornography and same-sex attraction and all that and I would just ask God like like how do I know that I love you and he would always like reassure me and looking back you know I know he didn't come down hard on me because it, he was like getting me to a point to where I could be like confident like now confidently say that I love God but 
for years, like, I had a strong desire to stop sinning, and before I even knew anything about, like, like spiritual laws or, or obedience or anything like that, like, because God was my friend, I wanted so badly and I fought so hard, most of the time, sometimes I gave in, but I fought so hard to, like, stop sinning because God was my friend and I, I didn't want to keep hurting my friend and I even posted about it one time but yeah for me like I every time I would watch like pornography I was looking at a picture the other day where I would like I, I looked so like sad and every time after I would watch it I would like be so disappointed in myself but I would always go talk to God after and I would just repent because I was like, for me, it was it was hurting my friend. Like, yes, obviously I was being disobedient to God, but he had been so close to me and he really did never leave me. And I was returning the favor by sinning and that just didn't sit right with me. So that was like one of the main motivations to get me out of that, like all of that sin and all that type of stuff. And even now, you know, I, I want to live a, a good godly life because, you know, obviously God is magnificent and glorious and holy, but it's still like that, that part of me, like the foundation is still like, I don't want to taint our relationship because God's been so close to me that like, I just want to repay him in the, in the best way I can. And so I'd like to clarify what the Lord, uh, your shepherd and the Lord, your friend really means biblically. I mean, we don't talk about some of my experiences. But you know we always got to be biblical so I'm going to talk about what it means biblically and I also want you to remember like yes God desires to be your friend and but God is and always will be Lord so you need to put some respect on his name at the same time God is not a common thing and we must fear and respect him as such like yes he desires to be intimate with us and like obviously no other god and no other religion really like desires that or can't even do that because they're all dead but they really don't like desire for you to like be close to them but our god jesus he really desires to like be intimate with us all of the time to intimately walk with us and um so yeah at the same time like yes god wants to be your friend but at the same time he is Lord, and you can never forget that. So don't forget to fear the Lord and put reverence on his name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, I had to hold back tears literally that whole time. I just, oh, gosh. Um, okay, so who is Jehovah Ra'a? And I also, I want to um, play how to say this name. So Jehovah is pronounced Yehovah, obviously. And then this is the second second word. Oh my gosh. Okay, hold on. <laughs> my sound was off. Strong's H seventy four sixty two. Ra ra. So that's how you say that. I can't really roll my tongue. I don't know how people do that, but whatever. Ra That's how I'm gonna say it. So let's turn to Psalms twenty three one. And I'm going to be reading this first verse out of the Passion Translation. I'll give you a second. Okay, second. Um, so this says, Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. But Yahweh is my best friend. That That's very true for me. Yahweh is my best friend. And there's a footnote here that says, um, The word commonly used for shepherd is taken from the root word, ra'ah, 
which is also the Hebrew word for best friend. This translation includes both meanings. The unique term for shepherd is ro'ezon, ro whatever, lover of the flock. This teaches us that a shepherd was not just a responsible overseer, but a caring father figure, tending to his flock out of a deep sense of love. Shepherds were also fierce protectors of their flocks. Jesus is the fierce protector of his people. So um, that's in Blue Letter Bible. If you go to Blue Letter Bible and just go to Psalms 23.1 and look at the word shepherd or ra'ah, this is what's at the bottom of that. Um, so now let's go, you could just... Click at the top, switch the translation to New Living Translation, and that's what we're going to be reading out of. So, still in Psalms 23, 1, uh, 1 through 6, this says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides pe beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. And there's a, in the Passion, there's a little footnote that says, He causes my life or my soul to return to me. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. I mean, that's just like the perfect description of like what God as our shepherd is. Like I, I would literally, if you need a better explanation, go to that verse, Psalms 23, and make a little check mark in your, your notes or something like that. You can write it down. But just list, like, what is God being my shepherd? He's letting you rest in green, fruitful meadow, meadows. He's leading you beside peaceful, peaceful streams. He's renewing your strength, causing your life to return to you. He's guiding you along right paths. He's bringing honor to his name. Even when you walk through the, the darkest valleys, you will not be afraid because God is close beside you. His rod and his staff are protecting and comforting you. He prepares a feast for you in the presence of his enemies. He honors you by anointing your head with oil. Your cup overflows with blessings. I mean, I would literally just go make a checklist of like what the Lord, your shepherd, your friend is. And now let's turn to Genesis 48, 15 through 16. Genesis 48, 15 through 16. I believe I'm reading out a New Living Translation. And this says, Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm. And there's, there's more to this verse. I put the dot, 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 because this is what we're going to focus on. The God who has been my shepherd all my life. And now, if y'all know Joseph's story, like he went through a lot, a latte, okay? A caramel macchiato latte. He went through a lot, but God was his shepherd all his life. The whole time, he's saying that God who has been my shepherd all my life. And I, I thought, why did he specifically say Abraham? And let's turn to James 2.23 to find the answer. Why he said the God my, the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked. Alright, let's turn to James 2.23. And this says, And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted, him, God counted him as righteous. Because of his faith, he was even called the friend of God. 
So he specifically said, May the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life, and this was during while he was like doing a blessing to, I think it was his like grandkids or whatever, or maybe kids. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. You can go read the story. I think it was while Jacob was blessing Joseph's sons. But he was basically saying like, may that same God who's been a shepherd all my life, who was a friend to me, may that same God bless these boys, my grandkids. Um, and now let's turn to Exodus 33, 11. Exodus 33:11. Again, I'm reading out of the um, the whatever New Living Translation, and this says, "Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend." Oh my goodness! I would love to experience that per per uh, personally. But inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend and later on um in this chapter it talks about how moses like when he would come out of that like out of the presence of the lord his face would be radiating i mean his face would be like glowing and they had to put like a veil over his face and people were afraid because literally the presence of god transformed his physical body like he started to glow because of the presence of the lord but moses would speak to him as once or uh, moses would speak to God face to face as one speaks to a friend that is amazing and it's even more amazing because of who Moses was like Moses I feel like I had anger issues and for God to still speak to him face to face it should give you hope that no matter like how far away you are or how much like you feel like God can't use you or whatever God still spoke to Moses face to face and yes he he sacrificed his entire life to get um, Israel to the promised land but at the same time like he had a lot of issues and just like us God decided to still have that like close intimate relationship with him where he spoke to him face to face now I want to make a note here I want to be clear this is not normal for us today we are blessed because we believe without seeing so if God is coming to talk to you face to face all the time 99% chance that is a, a demon because they do that when people have relationships with demons they talk to them uh, face to face physically all the time and um, so if God is coming to talk to you all the time and especially if what God is saying is going against um, his word that is probably not God just wanted to throw that out there but this is still beautiful that God spoke to Moses face to face okay so this is John 10 11 through 16 and this is Jesus talking Woo! this is Jesus talking about being our shepherd John 10 11 through 16 um, and this says I am the good shepherd the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep a high I'm sorry stop the good shepherd sacrifices his life for, for the sheep I want you guys to understand like as Christians we like if you believe that Jesus died for you that's not like a simple thing that should not be taken lightly and we should be grateful for that every single day and let me tell you if it's like you're watching this and you don't believe in Jesus you believe in another religion or you don't believe in anything like Jesus sacrificing his life for you and being the good shepherd literally being intimate with you being close to you wanting to desire to have that close relationship with you that is not something that really any other religion offers because in other religions you have to do things for that God to reward you you have to do things to like have and you don't even have a type and a relationship with those gods 
Um, and so, yeah, like, I just think that's amazing that Jesus is the good shepherd and lays his life down for us. So let's keep reading. Um, in verse two, it says, I think it's verse two, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. My God. I'm moving right along. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. I mean that that is just beautiful. That is how Jesus is like shepherding us. And the word here for shepherd is poimen. Or, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that really, but poimen. It means a herdsman, um, especially a shepherd. And in the footnote it says, in the Blue Letter Bible, a shepherd in the Near East was responsible for watching out for the enemies trying to attack the sheep, defending the sheep from attackers, healing the wounded and sick sheep, finding and saving lost or trapped sheep, loving them and sharing their lives and to earn their trust. Isn't that amazing? That not, like, God doesn't just automatically expect you to trust Him. I think that God, that's like so wonderful for God to be literally the whole, the creator of the whole entire universe and when he starts his relationship with you when he started his relationship with me God didn't like right off the bat expect me to trust him I think I probably took like I don't know I mean I probably took like a year or two after that to even believe the Jesus story but I was talking to God that whole entire time building that trust God was building trust with me because especially at the time I was an extreme doubter, like I was probably a doubter up until, well really it was just a spirit of doubt, so I'll say I had that spirit up until like um, probably a year or two ago, but I like doubted so much about God and he didn't fault me, fault me for that. He obviously led me to have faith in a lot of areas and he grew my faith by me going on missions trips and seeing healing by having words and knowledges and all this stuff, prophetic words. So he was building my faith, building my trust in him, but God never really faulted me for not having trust in him. What he did is he led me to resources that he knew I would need, like theology books. I fell in love with like theology, learning specific facts about God and that's what he did to build my trust that's what God does as our shepherd. That's what Jesus does as the good shepherd. He's not going to fault you for like having questions or not having enough faith. Obviously, there's a point in time where you need to be maturing, you need to grow up, and you need to have faith. Like I said, for me, it was about like getting the book. What I got was Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. That book really helped me um, in my walk with God. And it just like explained, it was coming from like a guy who was atheist turned Christian. So that was like exactly kind of where I was at. And God led me to that book instead of like um, condemning me for like not trusting him as the good shepherd he like he built his trust with me um, and I just think that's so beautiful like God is such a good father and such a good friend such a good savior oh my gosh so let's read first Peter 21 through 25 um, and this says for God oh I'll give you a second go ahead get there okay so for God has called you, God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ has suffered for you. He is your example and you must, must follow in his steps. 
He never sinned nor deceived anyone. You must follow him in his steps. So everything I'm about to read, this is what you need to be doing if you're calling yourself a Christian, okay? He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. How many of y'all, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, that's the example everybody uses, so, and I use it. When someone cuts you off in traffic, how many times, oh my gosh, actually yesterday, I was, we were walking across the street, my sister and I, and we were like coming out of this like drive, like, you know, like a driveway of like a, a grocery store or whatever. And this lady, like we were literally walking across the street, this lady like honked at us, and then like, I'm gonna tell you what, the Bay Area in me really wanted to like turn around and be like, eh, you know, all that stuff. I don't, I don't cuss anymore, but it really like, it rose up in me. I had to like, I had to handle it. But um, yeah, Jesus in that situation would not retaliate. So you know what I did? I didn't retaliate. I went to the thingy, to the crosswalk, and I turned and I didn't even look at her. So do not retaliate when you're insulted. He never threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. My God. Yes. Mighty God. I mean, that is just amazing. Like, I feel like before I really had, like, a, a good understanding on God, I would always try to, like, protect myself. Um, I would always try to, like, you know, keep, like, I don't know. I had such a problem with, like, defending myself, and I had so many walls up, especially when it came to friends. Like, I would just have so many walls up. I literally, like, there was a period of time I couldn't even make friends because I was so, like, afraid of someone hurting me. Um, because I had a really, really close friendship for, like, a long part of my life. I had three close friends. And it just didn't work out. And so for that, it really scarred me. And I had such a hard time, like, making friends. At the same time, I wanted friends so badly that I would accept people who were, like, not very good for me. And it was because I was trying to guard my own soul. I didn't realize that actually Jesus, the Good Shepherd, is the guardian of my soul, okay? I didn't realize that. But because we have a relationship with Jesus, a benefit of following him, and I do want to talk about other religions because I believe there will be a lot of unbelievers who watch this, and if you, like, don't believe in anything or you believe in something else, um, and your God doesn't, like, like, protect you, your God doesn't be close to you your god doesn't want to be like your friend your closest companion anything that i'm saying then i don't know maybe you should try jesus because like jesus for us look at the example that he set literally like rewind look at the example that jesus set in first peter 21 through 25 that's what we're supposed to live by and also god is guarding your soul as a christian a benefit of, of following jesus is that he is guarding your soul leading you into all truth the holy spirit is guiding you into all truth so all this stuff that we feel like we have to do to protect ourselves to keep like boundaries that actually turn into walls and are unhealthy like to the point to where you don't want to let anybody in all that stuff that you're doing you don't even have to do that because jesus is guarding your soul so I just think that's amazing. And let's move on to talking about the presence of the Lord, um, your shepherd slash your friends. Okay, so 
now that you have an idea of what it means for the Lord to be your shepherd and your closest friend, I would hope that makes you immediately want to spend time with him. And honestly, if you want to pause this video and go do that, then by all means, like, go do it. But that's what I would hope would come out of the, all of that that I just said. Early on in my walk with Christ, the great shepherd, um, I used to be so interested in the Lord's presence. And I thought I could feel his presence all the time. That's actually a whole other story as to whose presence I was feeling. But I just want to clarify for you guys. Um, the more earnestly you go after intimacy with God, the more you will, you will feel his presence. And I want to help you clearly identify when you are experiencing the Holy Spirit. Um, and so the Holy Spirit, um, I feel like is like disregarded um, in a lot of people. But look at, I was thinking about the example of Paul when those believers, I, I believe it's in Acts. But Paul with those believers, when he um, came to them and then he was like, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they were like, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And look what he did. He prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. So I feel like if you're a Christian and you haven't received the Holy Spirit, like it's really, really important for you to receive him. Um, because I'm going to read like so much scripture and you're going to see how involved the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life and how necessary it is for you to actually have the Holy Spirit. I mean... I literally don't know how people live without the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian, like definitely at the end of this video, like pray to receive the Holy Spirit because you need him and because he's a gift to you. Like, why wouldn't you? Jesus said it's better that I leave so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. So why won't you want him? But let's read a whole bunch of scripture. Put on your big girl pants, big boy pants, because we're going to read like 25 verses here. Um, so in John 14, 15 through 18, um, it says, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. And this is Jesus talking, P.S. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me and he will never leave you. This is what I was talking about earlier when I was like, I read that, he will never leave you. And I was like, check, I'm believing that for the rest of my life. He will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside you. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. And for me, this is just so special because Jesus at this point, like, yes, he was, you know, talking to his disciples, but he was always also talking to like, um, just people that were really, really close to him and that really held him in high importance. He was like the most important person to them. And he was promising them that I will never leave you or abandon you. I just want you to pay attention to like the humanity of Jesus, um, in these verses. So in John 14 through 26, another thing the Holy Spirit does this says, but when the Father sends a spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name and he will inspire you to remember every word that I told you. So the Holy Spirit not only sets you free, but he teaches you all things and he inspires you to remember every word of scripture. And literally, I will be like, like the story I just told you about Paul. I don't know what that story is. The Holy Spirit will remind you of what the scripture is saying. The Holy Spirit will remind you of stories. I will literally be like um, interpreting a dream or try to like figure something out that has to do with the Bible, giving a word of knowledge to somebody and a story instantly will pop in my head or a passage of scripture or a verse will pop in my head that applies directly to what I'm what I'm facing. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you. And in uh, John 
16, 7 through 15, I want to just clarify a few things. This is Jesus talking, and it says, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. So look at this. Christians, pay attention. This is Jesus talking, your Savior. In fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Look at the importance that Jesus put on the Holy Spirit for you to have the Holy Spirit. He's like, I'm not even going to stay here. It's best for me to go away so that you can receive him. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Oh, wait. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you he, whatever he receives from me. So just to be clear, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing, okay? This is what Jesus said the Holy Spirit does. Convicts the world of its sin, guides you into all truth, tells you about the future, brings God glory, okay? So if you have the Holy Spirit, quote-unquote, if you have the Holy Spirit and you're not bringing God glory, uh, maybe you should receive the Holy Spirit again or, or develop that relationship because it's clear the Holy Spirit brings glory to God. The Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. So let's read um, Romans 8, 26-27. This says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. How many of you can say that you have a God, even if God is your God and you have a wrong version of God or a wrong understanding of Him? God prays for you. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. That is amazing. So let's just go over again. What, the, what does the Holy Spirit do in this verse? It's saying, helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit prays for us. The Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. That is just amazing. Now let's go on. I told you it's a lot of scriptures. I wasn't joking. We have like a lot more. 2 Corinthians 3, 17-18 For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So the Holy Spirit helps you be more like Jesus. When you, like, I remember when I was a kid, they would always ask, like, what would Jesus do? And they even had, like, those bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Like, I don't even have to answer that question. I answer it by reading the Bible, which the Holy Spirit reminds me of the Scripture. And the Holy Spirit helps me to be more like Jesus, to reflect the uh, image of Jesus, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Wow. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So, we're going to... um like I said, I have like so much scripture to read. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say where the scriptures are, write those down, but I'm going to be clear and specific. It's going to be like a list of what the Holy Spirit does in your life. That's what we're going to move into, all right? So in Acts 2-4, the Holy Spirit um, helped empower the believers, gave them the ability to speak in other languages. 
In Luke 12, 11 through 12, the Holy Spirit, um, when you go stand before trial in the synagogues, before the rulers and authorities, don't even worry about what to say because the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Or say, for instance, when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, the Holy Spirit will teach you, tell you at that time what needs to be said. When you feel like you're on trial and you're in a debate with somebody about Jesus, telling them about Jesus, the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. In Acts 8, 29-31, the Holy Spirit told Philip to go over and walk beside the carriage. And that's when he was talking to the eunuch. The eunuch was reading Isaiah. He told him about the Lord. And then the eunuch got baptized. And then uh, uh, Philip like disappeared or was transported or whatever after that. But that is the Holy Spirit told him to go over and walk along the carriage. So the Holy Spirit brought glory to God and told him to share the gospel. Um, in Colossians 1.8, the Holy Spirit gives you love for others. Your love for others comes from the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews 10.15-18, um, says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people. I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. That's the Holy Spirit talking. The Holy Spirit testifying that that is what he will do. He will put laws in your hearts. He will write them on your minds. He will never again remember the sin, their, your sin and lawless deeds. In Galatians 5, 16 through 17, um, the Holy Spirit guides your life. All right. Y'all, there is a whole entire thing about spirit guides. And that's like such another topic that I can't even get to it right now. But there's people who literally have like, like spirit guides. And a lot of people don't realize that they have them. And you need to get deliverance from them if you know that you have them. But the Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit. He's the only guide. I want to make that clear. If you are a Christian, even if you're not a Christian, the Holy Spirit should be your only guide. But you only have him if you're a Christian. So there's that. But the Holy Spirit is your guide. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So Galatians 5, 16 through 17. The Spirit gives you godly spiritual desires opposite of what the sinful nature sinful nature desires in galatians 5 23 the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control um let's go to the next verse in mark 3 28 through 30 anyone who oh this is just I don't know. I just want to throw this in there because I think it's important to put respect on the Holy Spirit's name. This is Jesus talking. Anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. And be honest with you, I don't really know exactly what that verse means. I've tried to find it for years, exactly what the Holy Spirit um, says. I mean, exactly what blaspheming the Holy Spirit is. Um, I have like a general answer, but yeah, just stay away from that one. Because if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. That's what it says. But in Luke uh, 4.14, okay, this is really, really important. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. I just want to make it clear. Jesus, okay did not start his public ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So for everyone who has a ministry, a wonderful ministry, who has been called by God to start a public ministry, I want you to know Jesus' example, okay? He did not start his ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Preach, Destiny. That's preaching. I had to say something. Now that's preaching. That's my sister over there. But he did not start. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Gracias. He didn't start his ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And because the reason for that is because honestly, as individual believers, we should be the, uh, later on. I'm going to read where the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to do miracles and such. And that's what we should be doing. So you can't do that without the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one doing it. So especially if you have a public ministry, Jesus didn't start his until he had the Holy Spirit. So if you want more proof, Go read that whole entire chapter. But if you're one of the people who think that, you know, the Holy Spirit isn't for us today, go read Luke 4.14. Um, Acts 10.44-46. The Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message as Peter was, was uh, speaking. Alright, so as people, as Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell. That's one way to tell somebody has the Holy Spirit. Moving right along, Acts of the Apostles 13.9-11. Um, Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the sorcerer in the, in the eye. Okay, I'm going to read this whole thing because I think it's fire. <laughs> Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. He said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the ways, the true ways of the Lord? Watch now for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Wow. That story is Acts 13, 9 through 11, just in case you didn't catch it. But that's the Holy Spirit. Paul, who was now known, uh, Saul, who was now known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit when he said that. All right? And that's New Testament. The punishment came on that man, and you could go read for what the punishment was. Um, in Acts 20, 20, 22 through 24, the Holy Spirit bound Paul to go to Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit told him the future. Remember earlier when I said the Holy Spirit will tell you the future? So the Holy Spirit told Paul the future saying that he was going um, to be suffering and he was going to be in jail. But listen to what Paul said. And this is what the position, just pause real quick. This is the heart position that I want to be in. I'm not necessarily there now, but I, I'm, we're working our way to there. But this is Acts 20, 20 through, 22 through 24. Paul says, My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Oh my goodness. This is where Paul was. I mean, I, I've told you guys this before, but I was like so afraid to share the gospel before. But look at Paul's. Paul's mindset he says if I don't share the gospel finish the work that God has given to me of sharing our Lord Jesus Christ my life is worth nothing to me do you think that way do I have to check myself do I think that way that if I don't share the gospel with people if I don't finish the work assigned to me by Jesus Christ then my life is worth nothing I mean how much would our lives change if we actually thought like that but he was empowered by the Holy Spirit and he was bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem even though he knew he was going to suffer. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5.5, 5, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of God's promise to us that we will be saved on the day of redemption. In Romans 8.5, um, the Holy Spirit helps you to think about things that please the Spirit. You thought I was done? I'm not. We have a lot more. Acts 4.31, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit shook the meeting place. 
literally shook the meeting place. And if you want another example of God's presence shaking something, go to Isaiah 6. Um, and it talks about the seraphim and their, their worship to God literally like shook. I think it was uh, made like an earthquake happened or something like that. But the Holy Spirit, the presence was so strong, the meeting place shook. And it, he gave them the ability to preach the word of God with boldness. The Holy, you prove yourself. This is in 2 Corinthians 6, 5 through 10. I believe Paul was speaking. And I'm going to read this whole thing because I think it's important for us to keep the mindset of what it means to be Christian. All right. We have been beaten, put, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. I mean, this is making me want to shout, honestly, and fight somebody. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. We have been beaten, been put in prison. Oh, I read that before. But look at that. Look at like the what their lives were like. Literally, their lives dedicated to God, sharing the gospel. And I just want to ask, if you're Christian, does your life resemble this at all? Are you well known, but people ignore you because of the way that you share the gospel? Do people slander you? Do they call you an imposter? Okay, I'm not saying you have to be like, just because you're Christian, you got to be like beaten, put in prison, and face angry mobs and stuff like that. But if that's what it requires for you to share the gospel, then that's what it requires. If, you're, if it requires us to lay our lives down to share the gospel, that's what it requires. And unfortunately, that's the biblical model, and that's where we need to be at, because that's how important it was for them to share the gospel. And I just wanted to say that, and this is the Holy Spirit proving that's how they prove themselves by the Holy Spirit within them in Hebrews 2 4 it says uh, God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose in 1st Corinthians 12 3 through 4 no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit in um in 1st Corinthians 12 7 through 11 y'all know this one this is about the spiritual gifts so we got a lot to say here Thus, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And this says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice to one person. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Also, great faith. Also, gift of healing. Also, the power to perform miracles. The ability to prophesy. Ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. I will say, and I'm going to say, that is one that we need a lot right now because John said the spirit of the Antichrist was already in the in the earth, okay? And now in churches, I know the spirit of the Antichrist is active. So you need the Holy Spirit to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Um, the same spirit, Holy Spirit, gives ability to speak in unknown languages. Another, the ability to interpret what is being said. And the Holy Spirit decides what gift each person should have. In 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, 1 through 2 the Holy Spirit tells us clearly, um, in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. The Holy Spirit told them, okay, 
that some will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. That's the Holy Spirit that told them that. Alright, and they didn't come up with that on their own, saying that people were following doctrines of demons. They didn't come up with that. That's what the Holy Spirit said. Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Acts 6, 16, 6 through 7. The Holy Spirit prevented Paul and Silas from traveling to a certain area of the province of Asia. And he also prevented them, uh, well, the Holy Spirit prevented them from traveling to two areas, but from traveling and speaking in two areas. And Ephesians 4.30, the Holy Spirit is what God used to identify you as his own. And this says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And now I used to always read the ver this verse, I always hear like, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. And I always thought because of my foundation with God was of us, um, you know, him just being like a close friend to, friend to me, I always thought, okay, don't bring sorrow, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by the way that I live, but I never connected this other part and I found this verse last night and I think it's really really important this is what happens when you bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way that you live and this is in Isaiah 63 9 through 10 in all their suffering he also suffered and he personally rescued them in his love and mercy he redeemed them he lifted them up and carried them through all the years but they rebelled against him and grieved his Holy Spirit okay and this is where you can see what happens so he became their enemy and fought against them. So grieving the Holy Spirit is not just like, you know, don't grieve the Holy Spirit just because, or don't grieve the Holy Spirit because, you know, for whatever reason, for me, I felt, felt like it was an emotional one, but it's because he became their enemy and fought against them. And for, if you're saying like, you know, oh, well that's Old Testament or whatever, or, you know, God doesn't really act like that. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. What changed because Jesus died is the covenant that we're under. Now we can repent. Instead of making sacrifices, we can repent. Jesus covers us in the blood so that we can, you know, go boldly before the throne of God. All these amazing things that came out of, and we're redeemed. I mean, we could be saved. That couldn't happen because of, until Jesus died. So Jesus dying is like extremely important. I also want you when you're reading the uh, New Testament to realize God does not change. Okay. So just because you're reading it and then it might be, I used to not reading it, read it because I felt like it was like a little scary. I was like, I don't really want to think of God in a bad way. But when I got over that and I actually started reading it, you see the faithfulness of God like never before. Like you see God really sticks to his covenants. He really sticks to his, pro his promises and his ordinances. And and um, yeah, I just think that that's important to know what happens if you grieve the Holy Spirit. So from all those verses, you should be able to see how the Holy Spirit, our friend, desires to be involved in every detail of our lives. Jesus is our great shepherd and his spirit, God's spirit of holiness. The Holy Spirit is our guide, leading us and developing fruit in us to become reflections of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is only available to believers of Jesus and here's how to receive him. Okay, so if you're not a believer in Jesus, then um, this doesn't really apply to you. But you can give your life to the Lord. You can make Jesus your Lord and Savior, make him the Lord of your life. And you too can receive the Holy Spirit because out of all the things that I, I just read, 
Like, if you, if you heard all of that, you go back and you look at those verses and you don't think that you need the Holy Spirit, then I don't know. Maybe listen to it on half speed so that you can really hear. Um, but also what you can do, if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, what I did, you can go in the Bible app, the Version Bible app, and you can search Holy Spirit. And literally, it's like, I don't even know, probably like 100 verses you can read about the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit. And so let's go to Galatians 3, 13 through 14. This says, But Christ has redeemed us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Wow. Okay. I'm going to read that last sentence again just to make sure you catch it. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. And we already talked about Abraham before, right? Why does everyone keep mentioning Abraham? He was counted as righteous because of his faith, faith counted as a friend of God. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And let's go to Luke 11, 11 through 13. Luke 11, 11 through 13, this says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? If they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Oh my goodness. <laughs> but seriously, like, if, if all these other fathers, you know, these earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit for those of you who ask Him? So if you're like listening to all this stuff and you're like, okay, Destiny, I hear you. The Holy Spirit is awesome. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. And you're like, I don't really know what to do now. I just know that I need the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is just ask your Father. Ask God to give you the Holy Spirit and you will receive Him. And I'm not going to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit because biblically the model is for me to lay hands on you and we're just going to stay biblical, but you can ask your father yourself and he will delightfully give you the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is my absolute all-time best friend. He leads me into all truth. He gives me special abilities. He comforts me in my pain. When I tell you guys about like, like getting words and knowledge to share the gospel or I tell you about like the gift of healing, like um, when I, I was in Brazil on a missions trip and it was like the first time that I had ever been used to heal somebody and this guy, like I felt his, his hand, I had his, I was holding his hand and praying for him and it was a translator because like I don't speak Portuguese and I prayed for him. I remember he had like a motorcycle accident and he's, his hand was like all metal so he literally couldn't do this like you couldn't like close his hand he could only go to right here and I prayed for him it only took one time which I <laughs> definitely thought it was gonna take more but it only took one time and um, when I tell you my faith was like the size of a mustard seed that's where it was but it took one time and literally I felt in his hand because I was holding it I felt in his hand the bone I mean the metal turned to bone I felt it like soften from that I think he might have had like titanium or something but I felt it soften and I felt that bone coming in and that was like one of the craziest things that has ever happened to me at that same trip I felt and afterwards he he was able to close his hand perfectly fine and on that same trip I felt um, this woman I prayed for 
her um she had a tumor i think it was like right here on her head and uh me and i think one other person we prayed for her and the holy spirit healed her i literally felt in the palm of my hand the tumor shrink another woman i prayed for she had a cigarette addiction i prayed for um god to take that addiction away and i you know obviously i don't really know what happened to her but i believe that god did take that away i got like um when i was in uh, ministry school i used to get like crazy like specific words and knowledges for people are, are this thing that the holy spirit would do through me a lot it's just like ask people questions like i remember one time um i saw a friend and i just asked her i was like um how's your mom doing and when i tell you she started <laughs> she started crying just by that question and like i i i wasn't even thinking that that was literally the holy spirit because i know you know her relationship with her mom was a little shaky but i wasn't asking to be like nosy or anything i it was just it just came out of me and that was the holy spirit talking through me because i, I that led her to like call her mom that day i forget what happened but just that little thing um other times like with prophetic words that i've given to people and their lives are, are literally changed by that or they're just encouraged by that um other a lot of stuff with healing i mean that was like two weeks in brazil of healing but also here i've seen a lot of healings a lot of miracles oh also in brazil like seeing blind eyes open in the bible i literally saw that like this um was it a woman or a man i forget but someone came in and um to the church and they had they were blind and the holy spirit like we prayed and the holy spirit responded to our prayer and he literally took the blindness away they could see after we prayed that was the holy spirit and not only does the holy spirit do all that stuff but i remember like i would be in the car so i drive uber right so i remember like i um i think it was like a year or two ago but i took a nap in the car because i was really really tired that day and like coffee just wasn't cutting it so i i took a nap and i was like sleeping in my car and it's one of my favorite moments and the holy spirit woke me up and he was like, it's time to go, sweet pea. And he like called me a, a little nickname and it was really, really adorable. And then another, like other times, like I think God knows how much I love nicknames. I don't tell people a lot because I don't want everyone calling me nicknames just because I said that I like it. But God knows that I love nicknames and like early on and still now he'll like call me nicknames like i know in song of songs it says you know my darling like god will call me that or he'll call me like beautiful sweet pea is a not a lot um a big one or like sometimes it's like baby girl or something like that but god just you know knows what nicknames i like so with the holy spirit he'll like call me that and i just think it's really really special again with the building your trust like even now even so i trust in the lord but he's still like still building that and i just think that's really really special so not only is the holy spirit you know doing all these powerful things giving you all these amazing abilities but um oh i remember also in prayer one time um on that same mission trip i was praying and um it was like an intercessory prayer for like an hour or so and i i've never really like experienced like a gift of prayer i don't know if that's a gift but it was it was kind of crazy gift of intercession i guess but um everything that i prayed for i could i could have and i wish i would have literally recorded it because every single thing that i prayed for happened the next day like i remember one example is i prayed um the holy spirit 
obviously was like speaking through me and I prayed for um, there to be like worshipers on the beach and I, it was we stayed across from a beach and I was just like I pray that there's like worshipers on the beach tell me why the next day literally like these the kids <laughs> it was like all kids I was a kid too but like they came like running up to me and they're like destiny and they were like um, there's people outside on the beach right now like with this dude with a guitar and some other people singing and worshiping on the beach and I prayed for that, and we did not know them, okay? I, we didn't even speak the same language. It was We were in a small room. They definitely didn't know us. But the Holy Spirit responded to that, like, childlike faith. The Holy Spirit answered my prayer, and people were, like, praying on the beach. And that was something I literally didn't even think of. I was just, like, talking, and the Holy Spirit was speaking through me. And I love when that happens. But, yeah, that's another example of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit being close to you... Like, um, some, when I wake up, I try to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. I try to spend, like, my first five minutes talking to the Holy Spirit. I talk to Him when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm reading the Bible. When I'm reading the Bible, I, I mean, I, I was just reading it before I got on here, um, something in Isaiah, and I literally, like, it was something crazy. Oh, it was Isaiah having kids, and I did not know that Isaiah had kids. And I was like, what? And I was talking to the Holy Spirit about that, but just that, like, friend, like, very intimate, like, friend, you know, relationship. But that's, like, what it's like when you live life with the Holy Spirit. I talk to Him literally about every single thing. And so even when you're, like, reading your Bible, you can talk to the Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, what does this mean? Or even my reactions, because the Bible sometimes be crazy. Even my reactions, sometimes I'm like, you know, oh my goodness, or what the heck? Or, like, I'm just, like, talking to the Holy Spirit. But yeah, guys, you really, really, really need the Holy Spirit. And not only do you need the Holy Spirit, but after everything I just said for the past hour, like, honestly, you should desire the Holy Spirit. You should want the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does drastically change the lives of every individual believer. But look also at how much the Holy Spirit was the power behind what they did, like showing love to all believers or sharing the gospel or especially starting ministry. Not only do you need the Holy Spirit, but you should want the Holy Spirit in your life. And I honestly, like I said, I honestly don't know how people live without the Holy Spirit. Not only for the power, but also for discernment. I don't know how people live without the Holy Spirit because I used to not have discernment as I've grown in my walk with the Lord. Now I have grown a lot in that area. I have a lot of discernment, but I don't know how people live without discernment. I don't know how people live without loving others, without um, being guided into all truth. And... I just want to say a lot of emphasis can be placed on feeling something when you receive the Holy Spirit and sometimes this isn't very helpful because if you feel something then that's awesome but we are not led by our feelings. We walk by faith not by sight um, and I've heard stories, a, a bunch of stories of people who received the Holy Spirit and the proof was in their life because the next day they were not the same. Um, but they didn't like necessarily feel anything and I, honestly I don't know why that happens. I mean, I don't know all the answers about God, but yeah, when you ask for the Father to give you the Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you ask Him right now as soon as I end this, but when you ask for the Father to give you the Holy Spirit, um, even if you don't feel anything by faith, believe that you have received Him. And if you do feel something, then amazing. That's all the better. But if you don't, like, don't be discouraged. Don't think that, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that, like, you're, you know, too much of a sinner to receive the Holy Spirit. That ain't even true. Or whatever. Or you haven't received him. Believe by faith that you have received the Holy Spirit because your Father desires to give him to you. Okay, so 
I'm actually gonna leave that on because you can see my pajama pants, which I really love these cozy little Christmas ones. Anyways, um, yeah, guys, thank you for listening. I'm so, so glad to be back on here with you. Um, I just like, I love the Holy Spirit so much and he brings things up at the right time. Like I was just on Bible study with my sister. She has a Bible study um, bi-weekly called Refresh. And at the end of the Bible study, she said like, and my sister is very, very inspired by the Holy Spirit. Like I know she's over there crying right now, but she's very inspired by the Holy Spirit. She's actually a real prophet. But um, she's really inspired by the Holy Spirit. So at the end, like I was kind of, you know, getting on to be supportive. And at the end, she said like um, something about you're not going to be embarrassed. And like for me, that was something that I didn't really know that I was like struggling with, with thinking that like some what I'm doing for God is going to embarrass me or I'm going to be put to shame. But that's like one example of like something that the Holy Spirit like had my sister say on the Bible study that I didn't even know that I needed and the Holy Spirit knew that I needed to hear those words that I'm not going to be ashamed and so um and not going to be embarrassed and you know what tonight I'm going to talk to the Holy Spirit about that and my prayer I'm going to pray about that that God would remove whatever is making me believe I'm going to be ashamed but I wouldn't even know to pray that without the Holy Spirit and so you just really, really, really need the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life. And not only does he guide you into all truth, but he is literally my best friend. Like, huh. the Holy Spirit is literally my best friend. I'm not going to cry. I might cry. I don't care. But like literally since the time that he started, you know, the relationship with me on the bus ride home, all the way through like everything that I've been through all the way up until now like the Holy Spirit has been there and I really believed that verse that said the Holy Spirit will never leave you like I believe that with all my heart that was the first scripture I think that I ever like prayed and really believed but it's true the Holy Spirit is always with you and he will never leave you and like I I just desire so greatly like, yes, I want everybody to be saved from hell, but if you live a whole life without, like, having the Holy Spirit in your life, you're missing out. You're lacking on, like, so much. Like, honestly, you're missing out on so much in life if you live it without the Holy Spirit because look at what just happened tonight. Like, my sister said that I needed it, and I didn't even know, but the Holy Spirit knew. So if you're a Christian... Like, ask God to give you the Holy Spirit right now. And if you're not Christian, make Jesus the Lord of your life and receive the Holy Spirit and go get baptized. But receive the Holy Spirit, okay? So, thank you guys for listening. I really, really, really appreciate it. These tears, it's making my mascara hurt my eyes, so I'm going to get off of here. But <laughs> thank you for listening, and I pray that you guys just have the most amazing day. God bless you. So, I feel like I, I have to say this. I actually just ended the video, but it's okay. I feel like I have to say this. So, when I was like, like I said, the Holy Spirit started, you know, our relationship a long time ago. But throughout all this time, even as much of in sin I was, and, and the Holy Spirit knew that, like, really deep down, I really wanted to stop sinning. I believed that I had to live with same-sex attraction my whole life. I had so many misconceptions about God 
But guys, instead of like condemning me for that and instead of like making me feel terrible for what I believed about God as a father, like instead of doing all that, the Holy Spirit just stayed close to me and the Holy Spirit kept talking to me every single day the Holy Spirit would talk to me and really like built that trust and when I tell you that that like my relationship with God even though you know I know the consequences of if you sin and all that but above that my relationship with God my relationship with the Holy Spirit is what keeps me away from sin because I do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit by the way that I live and not just because he'll fight against me and become my enemy but because the Holy Spirit is my friend so I don't want to I don't want to grieve him but if you're like really stuck in sin like for me it was pornography and you know homosexuality but specifically pornography and overall just hating people like I, I legit had to repent one day because I, I hated Christians aka I was had the spirit of the devil <laughs> but yeah like if you're like like that and you know you're trying to like figure out a way like how do I stop sinning I want to stop sinning but like I just don't know what to do the Holy Spirit is the answer and that honestly like him his guidance in your life is kind of like the only way that you're going to get out of it. The blood of Jesus makes you righteous and the Holy Spirit guides you into all truth and the Father opens its arms wide to you like uh, accepting accepting your repentance and forgiving you. So that's all I wanted to say. Just like if you're in that position like I was and you just like feel lost or you feel stuck or you feel like you're never going to stop getting out of this sin. You keep going in cycles. You keep going in circles. And especially with pornography, you know, you'll go like the longest I went was like a month or maybe a couple months, but I would fall back into it. You know what broke that cycle to where now I don't watch it at all and I can talk about it? The Holy Spirit. And so if you're in that position, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. And not only do you need to, but you should desire to and talk to him about it. I would literally talk to the Holy Spirit when I was feeling tempted. I would talk to the Holy Spirit and I would play worship music. And I also wanted to say... If you like are, are wondering what God thinks about you, there's two songs that I wanted to give you. One is uh, Pieces, the Amanda Cook version. The other are uh, three songs actually. Another song that I, I love worship music. So Pieces by Amanda Cook, um, Everything to You by uh, Jen Johnson and Bethel Music. Another one is Jesus, You're Beautiful by CC Wyden's and that's on YouTube, the, the 19 minute version. But go listen to those songs and just like be kind of like like overwhelmed with what God believes about you, the way that God loves you and what you mean to God and what God means to you. And if you are on the fence about accepting the Holy Spirit, I guarantee after you listen to those songs, you're like praying for that. So that's all I want to say.